This morning we are doing a part two. <laughs> Promises are forever. Part one we did last week and didn't quite get it finished, or in fact we didn't quite get it started. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to keep going on it because uh, I thought it was uh, an interesting um, perspective on on the, what, what God has promised us. And so the first scripture is in Joshua 23, verse 14. Uh, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. So Joshua is reminding the children of Israel before he departs that um, God has kept every promise. And it's, you know, it's easy for us to make promises. You know, some people make promises like um, water in a river. It just keeps flowing and they don't, they don't even think about keeping them. But our Lord doesn't make promises he cannot keep. And what God promises, even though circumstances change, he still will, that will fit the circumstance that he has given us a promise for. So it isn't that our, our promises from God can never get outdated and they, they can never be um, too old <laughs> for whenever we were, you know, they were 10 years ago, God gave me a promise. Well, perhaps it's still there and God will continue to work. So God's faithfulness allows us to have total confidence. God's faithfulness allows us to have confidence because God's promises are not like people promises. You know, he will keep them, he will honor them. God never overpromises and underdelivers. <laughs> God never overpromises, God never underdelivers. He always delivers on the promise, but he does it on his <laughs> and his timeline. Um, you know, I, I think back of uh, when I was doing this, I, was, I thought back of uh, Bob Newhart. Remember the, the, whenever there's a skit where he's doing. Um, He's a counselor, and um, people come in, and he describes to them that the, the cost and everything, and he says, it'll take, we'll be here for five minutes, you know, because it only takes five minutes. And so the people are always astonished, you know, five minutes. And they said, well, he'd say, well, go ahead and start. And they said, well, I have this problem. He goes, stop it. <laughs> what? You know, well, this situation, uh, I find myself, stop it. <laughs> so he just says, stop it. And that was, his, that was his therapy, that you pay me my money, stop it, whatever you're doing that's a problem, just stop it. And I, I think that whenever we have um, the things in our life, God, his promises are there. And, you know, sometimes we think uh, he doesn't keep them. Well, it's more likely us who somehow falter in our faith and in keeping it. And so if, if God would just show up and say, David, stop it. <laughs> you know, don't be anxious. Stop it. <laughs> you know, have peace. You know, do that, those types of things. Just to stop the negativity. Just stop it. Okay, we're done. <laughs> You're not patient. <laughs> you, you, know, you, have, you know, stop it. So... Keep that in mind. So what God promises, he will do. Our need is to connect to God. Connection with God. And that's where we are in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. And this whole section we, we dealt with it last week, but it, pre, it is necessary to rebuild this as we go into uh, more of the, of the message today. Um, God's faithfulness allows us to have, to have that total confidence in him. So 
God is the grapevine. God the Father is the gardener. So what are we? We're the branch. <laughs> so we are to be connected to the vine. Verse 2 says he cuts off every branch of mine that does produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. So every branch is going to have pruning. <laughs> those that are dead, those who that are fruitless, who have never produced or no longer produce, they're cut off, just cut off and thrown into the fire to be burned. So there are fruitless vines and there are fruitful vines. There are the separating, which are the fruitless, and then there is the cutting, fruitful. You see, if you um, go into an orchard, whether it's uh, for um, apples or pears or peaches or whether they're grapevine, in this case the grapevines, we find that they always are pruning them back and pruning them back so that the vines will have opportunity produce, to produce grapes. And if they don't produce grapes, well, they cut them off because there's no need for the vine to give strength to that which isn't going to produce. So God is telling us that uh, our character and our desire is to serve God. And as we're serving him, the, the, the life that is in the, the, the branch comes from the vine. If you cut the branch off, it's, it's dead. So our connectedness to God is what is important. So we sometimes don't make uh, the connection between the fruit that Jesus is speaking of here in, in John 15 and the fruit of what Paul refers to in, in Galatians chapter 5. Um, somewhere I have Galatians 5. Yeah, there it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we find that the promises or the fruit that Paul speaks of is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But often we isolate, the, you know, when we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, we often isolate that to the Holy Spirit doing his work in us. And that's true, it is. But in reality, it is the, the Holy Spirit can't do his work in us unless we are connected to the vine. So as we are connected to the vine, Jesus, we find that these fruit of the Spirit are those bunches of grapes that grow in our life. And the first one is love. Now, the fruit of love is being connected, okay? What we have received from God, that's what we reflect. Loving, forgiving, and we'll talk about that, refers to a selflessness. Love is a selfless. Jesus came because he loved us, and what did he get out of it? He got us. <laughs> what did he die for? Sins of the world. He came to reinstate or to, yeah, reinstate, bring us back into that right relationship with God. That he could be the vine and we would be the branch that was growing out from our relationship with him. And love is very much a part of that character. The characteristic of God is a work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And all we are doing is reflecting what Jesus is to us. Um, this kind of love is more than a willingness to make personal sacrifice. Uh, it is a willingness to serve and to serve Christ. Romans 5, 3 to 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that the trials help us develop 
endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strength strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. So as you're looking at rejoicing, running into trials, running into problems, we often think, okay, if I got all this stuff going wrong, that's God telling me I'm not in the right place. No, it could be you're in the correct place, and what is God doing? He is pruning the vines that are producing. So sometimes we are, we are pruned <laughs> with the problems and the difficulties. Second one is joy. Now, we often confuse this with happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. <laughs> I was like that one. Happenings. Whatever happens, we, you know, one guy, say, you ask somebody, well, how are you feeling? I don't know. Nothing has happened yet. <laughs> well, you know, so are you waiting for bad things to happen? You're waiting for good things to happen. Well, joy of the Holy Spirit is a strong sense of gladness that is not based on circumstances. There is a sense of gladness in our life <coughs> that is irrelevant to the circumstances of our life. And that joy that is in our hearts and lives comes from the Holy Spirit. It is a fruit of God's Spirit from being connected to Jesus. Um, there's love, grace, blessings, promises, uh, nearness to God. Um, we find that all these things come from being attached to the vine. Philippians 4.4 4 says, um, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord is talking about joy in the Lord always, no matter what the circumstances. So circumstances are irrelevant to the joy that is in our heart that God loves us. He has a plan for us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So there is this joy that the Holy Spirit brings from the flowing of our relationship with God into us. It's not stagnant. Your relationship and what God has given to you is not stagnant. It's not dying. It is flowing through us to produce something. And you know what? People are always picking your fruit. <laughs> you know, um, in the grocery store, uh, they call it grazing. People will go through and eat apples and bananas and, you know, whatever they can eat while they're in the store, they don't have to buy. <laughs> Did you ever see people doing that? And then, of course, there are those who are just out and out steal, you know. But, um, but the, the whole idea is that's not right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't graze in the grocery store and shove the banana peel underneath a, 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 a container somewhere. It's um, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Number three is peace. Peace is an inner calm and contentment based on the knowledge that one is in a right relationship with God. Peace again, the peace of God which passes all understanding. So there is a peace about in the conflict in the midst of the storm. There was a, 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 a picture years ago, and the title was Peace. And there was this violent rainstorm, you know, lightning, it showed lightning in the, in the clouds and the rain and all that stuff. And, and it was like the wind, you could see the trees blowing and you know how that it was blowing in the painting but and, and it was peace so where's all this well if you look at the center of the painting in the very middle of the painting 
there was the bird back in underneath the cleft of the rock just sitting there at peace. Peace in the midst of the storm is knowing that we are in a secure place. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. I am in a secure place. So that's the peace that God speaks of. And in in Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, praying is taking what is in our mind and heart and talking to God about it. We can worry ourselves. Don't worry yourself to death, okay? Well, pray yourself instead. We don't worry about anything. We take that need to God to, he will cast out our fears, cast out our worries. And that worry is not supposed to be, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) You know, fruit is not, uh, worry is not something that God wants to produce. Um, Pray about everything. Then you will experience God's peace. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Attitude, perspective. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. What happens when we start being thankful? We start looking for the good. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So we're praying about it. It isn't like, we pretend like the situation, oh, it's just not there. Pre- I'll pretend that it doesn't exist. No. Pray about it and ask God. Deliver it. Give it to God. Uh, number four is be patient. Again, fruit of the Spirit. Jesus talks about that you will bear fruit. And the fruit, you know, often when we think of what Jesus is saying here, we put it into context of, well, bearing fruit is winning people to Christ, which is. But in the same token, it is still what Paul writes about in saying that about the fruit of the Spirit. Patient means endurance and perseverance. (laughs) Endurance and perseverance. And the ability to walk without becoming angry, annoyed, or upset. I think I should skip this one. Walking without becoming angry, annoyed, or upset. It indicates the ability to tolerate the intolerable people. (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. (laughs) Tolerate being hurt or provoked without losing one's temper. Um, If you lose your temper, you lose. You know, if you lose your patience, you lose. You see, the, the whole idea is that we are, we are sustaining and we're not, the challenge, okay, the challenge is we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit, the, the life that is flowing from the vine, the vine is Jesus, and if Jesus could be patient in the midst of the people, you know, they're ready to crucify him, and, and Jesus doesn't say a word. It's like, you know, if, if, if this wasn't the will of my father, you couldn't do any of this. So therefore, don't you have a defense? Can't you stand up for what? No, he didn't say a word. As the lamb before the shearer is dumb. If you've ever, and I know you've never sheared sheep, <laughs> but when I was a kid, we had sheep. Maybe you had sheared sheep. You sheared sheep. Okay. When you take sheep, you grab hold of them, you flip them on their butt. They don't move. 
They don't move. Take the shears where they're electric and just shear them down, and they don't move. My, my brother and my dad, they would just, vroom, vroom, you know, shear all the wool off, and then whenever you were done, you stood them up, and they ran off. And it's like the, the, the sheep, and Jesus, is t- Jesus, the illustration is pointed about Jesus, is that whenever he was in the midst of all of this that was going on, the beatings, the betrayals, the, you know, the, the sentencing, the crucifixion, he was like that sheep. He allowed all this to happen. He who created everything could have stopped it in an instant. He didn't because of his love, his peace, his peace, his patience. So that same patience and love flows from Christ into us. You can't do it on your own. Just stop it. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work either, you know. Just stop it. Well, God has something to say about it. Next, um, verse, verse 5, number 5, kindness. Kindness involves a true and active consideration for others. It includes not wanting to hurt anyone or cause anyone pain. It's like, don't like people to hurt. I don't like hurting people. <laughs> you know, it's like those, those commercials with, you know, giving to St. Jude's, and it's good. St. Jude's is wonderful. You know, we talked about that. But then they have the dogs in the ASPCA. You know, let's give to the dogs. Well, you know, you know what they're doing is, and they play Christmas songs. Do you see that one? They play Christmas songs, you know, like, I don't know, Silent Night or something. And, and they're, they're, there's this dog, you know, all matted up and skinny and whatever, climbing up the fence. It's like, are you going to feed me, you know? What does that do? It pulls on people's heartstrings. Now, so it's pulling on people who are animal lovers. We had one individual um, that, that I was in charge of, or not charge of, I was her um, estate. I, did, I, I oversaw her estate. And we were talking to the um, attorney to make sure everything was in place. Um, she wanted to give everything to the ASPCA, <laughs> you know, and she didn't have anything. But whenever she was all over, she didn't have anything anyhow. But she wanted, if there was anything left over, she wanted all to go to the, the, the um, animal shelter. And the, we, we talked about it, and she thought maybe she should give something to the church. But by the time she had passed away, there was no money. But anyhow, the reason was she had two dogs, and they were her closest friends. And that's who she loved, and when she died, she was going to take care of all dogs. And she wanted to give. Now, if she'd watched that commercial, I bet she would, she would send them every penny she had. Why? Because the kindness is there, didn't want to see anything suffer. Well, we have a greater sense of kindness and love that God wants us that, to be kind to others. That he wants the kindness in our heart to extend to people who are hurting. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Kindness. Forgive. Six. Goodness. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. That's not what she says. Annie. What did she say? Annie, 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 you know, Annie, Annie, the movie thing, you know. 
Oh, well, anyhow, goodness. Uh, goodness is a character trait that causes someone to do what is right and beneficial to others. When I was reading this, okay, you know, okay, goodness, let's be kind to people and beneficial to others. What do you think is the scripture that is used of Jesus in this act of kindness? Okay, okay, act of kindness in Jesus. What do you think of like feeding the 5,000? Uh, how about um, healing the lame man? You know, well, you know um, his teaching on the mount? No. Jesus entered the temple in Matthew 21. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. This is the scripture that they used for goodness. Now let's go on. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. An act of goodness is a hatred of evil and is often expressed in acts of kindness or in challenging and correcting evil or injustice. Goodness. Correcting evil or injustice. And that's the, the, the text that they use to go with goodness, fruit of the Spirit, in our life. And we generally would just think of that in relationship, but let's do good to people. That's part of it, but doing, correcting that which is injustice. Seven is faithfulness. Faithfulness is an unwavering, unwavering loyalty and devotion to a person whom one is united, to, united by uh, promise or commitment. Marriage, <laughs> promise or commitment. But also, I look, you know, faithfulness. You guys are faithful. The faithfulness, you are committed to Christ and to, to the church and to being here and, and to, to living the, the Christian life. Why? Because you're here. You know, it, it is part of our relational experience and it's part of our faithfulness. Um, it also assumes being honest and trustworthy requires activity flowing, following through on one's commitments. Romans 3. Though some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, and this is where people get the excuses, like, um, well, that person, you know, I, I remember when I, when I visited with patients for the hospital, hospice, I, they asked them, well, what church do you go through? I don't go to that church anymore. They're a bunch of hypocrites. The lady in front of me, she's doing this. And the guy behind me, he's doing that. I never set foot in that church again. I said, where do you want to go when you die? Oh, I want to go there. <laughs> so, oh, well. But faithfulness is, again, being faithful to what is in front of us. Sure, people, do, you know, you want to look for faults, you're going to find them. But we're looking for that which is good. And it says, because they were unfaithful, this is Paul to the church at Rome, that, does that mean God is unfaithful? Because people who sit in a pew do wrong things, does that mean that God is unfaithful? No. It just means people don't have it right just yet. doesn't mean they won't. So, of course not. If everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scripture says unto him, you will be proved right in what you say. So we find that Christ is continued to exhort it as being the one who is right and he is faithful. Remember his promises? They never fail. His promises will always be kept. Number eight is gentleness. 
It refers to the quality shown by a mild friendliness or forbearance, restraint or tolerance, especially to an enemy. Now, we can, we can see this as we get along with other people, but an enemy. So. Um, then Jesus said, this is in Matthew 11, Then Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Gentleness. Enter into the yoke with Jesus. Let God and you pull this life together. And number nine is self-control. It is the discipline of mastering one's own desires, emotions, and passions. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Athletes are disciplined in their training. So just as an athlete is in training, so too the Christian in self-control. We are, you know, what type of workout, what type of training are we in for the race or whatever activity we're in? Well, what type of self-control does Jesus want us to have? So in the face of difficulties, the life that is in the vine is the life that is in the branch. See, we're not trying to get this, stir this up in our own minds and hearts. We're allowing the Spirit to make it aware to us of what goes on. Now, it's interesting that the last part of that, there is no law, there are no restrictions to the lifestyle described in these verses. There are no restrictions to love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, meekness, kindness, and forbearance. There's no restrictions. It's limitless. So, our text then is... Wait, I want to do one more page here. Oh. In our... Got four minutes and 30 seconds for those of you who are timing. I had somebody told me, he said, well, how long do you preach? I said, 30 minutes. How do you know it's 30 minutes? I got a clock in the back. And they say, can I look at it? I said, sure. Are you going to be done if I look at the clock and it's still got four minutes to go? I said, no, but it's back there. <laughs> I did actually have somebody tell me that. I want to look at the clock. I want to sit somewhere where I can look at the clock and know whenever you're about finished. I'll skip that. And, uh, and the text, John chapter 15. I am the true vine, I am the grapevine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. You're just hanging around doing nothing, and there's no life in you, and he cuts it off. You have already been pruned. You know Christ, Christ is in your heart and life. You've already been pruned. You're, you're in that pruning process and growing process. By the message I have given you, what is, the message of Christ is what gives us direction and prunes us. Um, verse 3, part, the second part. And purified by the message I have given you. We don't think of ourselves as being pure. But um, you put a filter on water. You know, what does it do? It collects the contaminants going through. Now, does it, you know, if, uh, if we saw ourselves, we, we could think of the Holy Spirit as the purifier of our life. He, he kind of picks up all the garbage that comes through and separates it from us. And if we, we allow that to happen, we are, we are living a life that is closer to God and the, fear, and the fruit that we bear is not contaminated. 
Remain in me. See, don't ever allow yourself to be cut off, broken off, or removed from the vine. Remain in me and I will remain in you. When you're connected to the vine, connected to Christ, remain in Christ, remain, remain connected, and Christ is always connected to you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The life that is in the vine is the life in, in the branch. Can't be different. You need that life. The Greek word for remain means to continue to live just as a branch has life only as long as its vines flow into it, as the life of the vine flows into it. Now, one last thing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But, verse 7 of John 15, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. What's the perks of being in the vine? Well, the main perk, we have eternal life. But the understanding is, I can pray about anything. I can pray about everything. I can allow the Holy Spirit that is flowing from Christ into me, the branch. I can ask God about anything in my life, or anyone in my life, or any place in the world. I can pray. And with the expectation, God is telling me, I can expect an answer. I can expect an answer because promises are forever. And he has promised to always hear us when we pray. And in this right connection with God, the life that is in the vine is the life that is in us. And Jesus says, saying, I am the vine. You are the branches. My fruits grow in you. My gifts are part of you. And as you realize how important all this is in growing and bearing fruit, I want you to know you can ask about anything. You can ask for anything. Wow. See, it's all part of this giving and flowing and allowing the life that is in God be the, to be the life that is in us. The fruit <laughs> that Jesus speaks of is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And because we have Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit is in our life. And the same Spirit to raise Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, is the same Spirit in you. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. I have this fruit that grows in my life. I can pray and I can ask about anything. And I can have peace and patience. I can be gentle. I, cannot lose my, I don't have to lose my temper. I don't have to, you know, see. All these benefits are because of our relationship with Christ and what he is giving to us. Amen? Promises are forever. <laughs> promises are forever. Jesus, we thank you for the promises you give to us. We thank you for all these special gifts and understandings that you have brought to our attention. We pray that we will be, continue to be connected to you. And that we can receive the blessings that flow through your spirit and through your word. 
Help us to understand. Help us to grow. Help us to trust you. And when we find ourselves challenging these fruits in our action, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will quicken us to let us know, be at peace. Everything's under control. Know always that I hear you when you pray. Know that I am with you wherever you go. Know that I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. Know that I shall supply every need in your life according to my riches. Know that I am everywhere present. Know that I am with you and that nothing can ever separate you from me. Thank you for these promises that are forever. And they come to us through the Spirit and our connection with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fruits, promises are forever. How long is forever? Forever. <laughs>